welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topics. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Jen. And I'm Eli. And this is part two of stigmas and misconceptions. And we're not going to bore you with a bunch of our um, personal issues and therapy session this week. We're going to get right on into questions because we've got a bunch of them. We got more responses between last week and now. So we've got a whole lot more to go through. So we're going to try to get through as many of these as we can. And instead of doing a whole third episode, what we'll do is if we keep getting more of them, we'll th- start throwing them into our other episodes and answering them at the beginning of the episode or talking about them in the beginning of the episodes. Um, oh, very cool. That way we're not, you know, doing three episodes of all of us just ranting and raving about people's misconceptions about us. But it's fun. It is fun. But we will now turn it over to the man, the myth, the the legend, legend, Dave. Number 10. I thought that death ended suffering. I think that one is totally dependent on your beliefs. I think that it can end your suffering. In my in my belief system, it can end your suffering, unless you're unwilling to let go of something, and you're having a hard time ascending to the next level. Oh, fascinating! You know what I mean? Um, that would be like your earthbound spirits. I think it could take care of your physical suffering. Yeah, but everything else, like you were saying, pretty much. I mean, spiritual area, you could carry the uh, the emotions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it could very well just be based off of whatever your belief system is. You know, like in the like in like a Christian faith, you die. If you've been good, you go to heaven and you're suffering. And if you're cool, you go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, what else? I know personally, the list of those of us that are going to hell seems a lot more fun than the other one. But, you know, that's all I'm saying. It just (laughs) it just depends on how you look at it. It's all perspective. Um, I know, like, with the Jewish religion, there is no hell, you know. Um, some religions, like Catholicism, you've got, you've got pur- purgatory. You know I mean, there's, it just depends on what your faith is. On So we don't really have a true it, answer. We don't know. Yeah, there's no, I mean. I haven't died yet. Yeah, it's, I think it's just kind of up to your belief Being system. Close. I think what's cool though is the Mormon religion doesn't even have a hell. It has a low degree, basically a low, a lower level heaven. Yeah. But you can work your butt off to get all the way up to the top. And yeah. usually, most people made fun of it in the derogatory terms. I don't agree with that whole idea, but um, I always thought it was very interesting. It, they didn't even. They, it's not that they didn't acknowledge a bad or an evil or hell. They just. Once you become a member of that church, well, there's the not a The only religion I know that has a hell or anything like that would be Christianity. Um, does, I don't know much about Islam. Does it have like a... I don't know for sure, but I don't think it does. I would just say, it's one of the Judeo-Christians that I don't know much about. Um, I mean, that's probably one of the few religions beliefs. I don't know a lot about, but of the people I know that are Islamic, they don't ever talk about a hell. A hell. Yeah. So, um, definitely, I know my own personal beliefs. Like I said, there's levels that you can ascend to. 
But I mean, in the end, we all are rebirthed. So, I mean, I guess your suffering's not over because it's just going to begin Carry again in the, the next, next life. life. Yeah. Um, I guess if you look at it like the karma a- aspect of it, I guess it just depends on what kind of suffering. Like you were talking about. It just about. really depends on what you believe in the afterlife. I mean, yeah. if you believe that nothing happens, then yeah, it would end your suffering. But yeah, I, I, I honestly, I feel like right after death, it's probably pretty awesome because you go from being restrained by a physical being and a physical body to be able uh, to like stretch. You know what I mean? To have no back pain. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I think I'm going to try it tonight. <laughs> I can't life without you. So as for that one, I think it just is depends on what your belief system is. And I, I think that's more important than anything. I think that whatever happens when you die is what you believe happens when you die. So what's the next one? The next one is the biggest one I ever heard was that all things not Christian are of the devil. For example, spells that work, communication with the deceased, literally everything is the devil, making it all seem like something legitimate. And the human is not really in control. Yes, I have heard this one too. But that goes back to that Leviticus that we talked about. Um, People don't think the devil has better things to do. Right? <laughs> like, God picks and chooses what prayers he answers. Do <laughs> you think the devil's just on everybody's shoulder? Like, hey, hey, come check this out. <laughs> hey, come over here and check this out. <laughs> I mean, if it's a natural born ability that you have which most of the time communications with the deceased things like that are people are just born with it how is that bad like well i was thinking about this since our our the last episode we did and in christianity most things that are just natural drives and instincts are considered evil yeah and they're considered sins yeah it's just a way to control people like that that is what I gathered, what? that is what I have gathered from a lot of the Christian rules, is it's just a way to control the people yeah. and make them do what you want them to do. What, a religion that controls you by telling you what you're doing is being controlled by somebody What's, else? What I find great about it, it is... It sounds like our government. They say, you have God gave you free will. And then they say, but you can't use it, because then you're going to go to hell. But then they say God is all-knowing and all-powerful. But he made the mistake of giving us free will, apparently, because we're not supposed to use it. But then that's just because it's a test, and he's testing our loyalty. Well, it sounds like he's a pretty manipulative... Um, oh, a psychological abusive uh, deity there. You know? <laughs> It'd be like if you had a bunch of candy sitting on the table and you told your kid they couldn't have it. And every time they had it, you'd whip them. Or tried to reach for it, you'd whip them. It's like, that's just mean. Like, that's just cruel. You're setting them up for failure at that point. You're in, you're in, like, to me, your intention is to set these people up for failure. Because you're going to give them all of these objectives that they can't do. Because it's going to be a sin. Yeah, he just, he wants heaven all to himself. That's what it is. <laughs> He's like... I'm just going to give you all these rules so you can't follow it so I don't have to have any annoying little neighbors. <laughs> but no, I don't think that there's anything evil about anything 
It is like we've no. talked about many times. Evil is what is evil. I mean, even in the uh, kind of the modern day, we've gotten away from a lot of the canon laws and things like that. But I mean, even a lot of scientific materialism is against our true nature. Yeah. So let's see. Number 12. People assuming that one is delusional or somehow otherwise unreasonable due to an interest in spirituality. I myself think I'm delusional and crazy sometimes with my <laughs> interest in <laughs> I know I'm crazy, so... Um, but no, I, I definitely have been told that I'm just making it up in my head or yeah. it's, it's not real or... I think most people... Uh, well, I think a lot of people... Become believe they're delusional and stuff because of the way they're brought up and people telling them that's not real. And <clears throat> sometimes I think, literally, I think about how many people in the psych ward are crazy and how many of them just have like a sixth sense or you know, like I, that. That really goes on in my head sometimes. Yeah, and uh, I see this also like atheist putting this on Christians and Catholics and yeah. Muslims and Oh well yeah definitely I mean we've joked about it you know the invisible sky god or whatever or mm-hmm. the the flying spaghetti monster Hey but get him out of this I mean in the <laughs> It's it's up to the individual what they believe and if you believe it then it's true I mean that's kind of how it works You can you can manifest things if you believe in them enough so yeah. I mean that's magic. That's how the world works. We do it all the time without even realizing we're doing it. So what's the difference between doing that in a religious or spiritual aspect versus doing that in the physical world? I think it all works the same as above so below. Right, that's you a know? good point. We can manifest a $10 bill, we can manifest a god. Those I'm are still called egregores. Manifesting a ten dollar bill. <laughs> I'm working on it too. I'm <laughs> trying to make my a ten thousand dollar bill. Well, then no one's going to think it's real. Oh, so. True. Then they're going to think you're delusional. So should I start with hundreds? Yeah, probably hundreds. <laughs> 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 Once I get that down, that I can make ten thousand one hundreds. Yeah. Okay. And chair. <laughs> <laughs> One day we. Are doing the podcast full time with no Patreon support, no <laughs> no T shirt sales, and they're like, "How are they doing it?" <laughs> I'm just over there like, <laughs> just Amy, stacks of piles. Amy of spends all the time other than the podcast trying to make money. But see, there's <laughs> got to be a balance. So what's happening is like at the uh, what National Treasury, <laughs> like their, their money's going down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they wouldn't even notice. There's not even money in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a white, big white board that they just keep marking. Eh, we should have around here. Color it to here. You got a bunch of poker chips? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, there's shot shots about right. <laughs> 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 All right, what's the next one? That chaos magic was an edgier version of the normal counterculture Wiccans, and that most Wiccans didn't really believe anything. It was just aesthetic. That's a thinker. And I think it's a thinker because I'm trying to figure out the statement. What I kind of took this as is that it's the people that's escaping from escaping from religion mm-hmm. 
So they're latching on to kind of anything. Essentially, they're like, you, you hear the term in Satanism, a tourist in Satanism. Okay. Because they're looking for that polar opposite of what they're abandoning. I think that's kind of what it's referring to. I mean, I kind of got that too. And like, yes, there are a lot of quote unquote Wiccans that are solely Wiccans for the shock value for their family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. They're the dabblers. And that's why like for like a lot of covens, you have to be practicing Wicca for like a year and a day. Yeah. Yeah. Before you can be like fully initiated into the coven. Now in the just to kind of weed out those people because in the chaos magic uh, milieu, I I see this. People describe these as armchair magicians. Yeah, they're people that read the theory but don't really do the practice. Yeah, I think it. It all goes back to the practitioners. I mean, there are going to be some that are like that, and then there's going to be some that aren't. Um, but to to group everybody as one, you can't do that because there no, are some very no. devoted Wiccans and there are very devoted chaos magicians that do do the work and do do a lot yeah. of research and occult study. Um, yeah, and I think that's what this is kind of referring to, where somebody's coming out, they're saying, "Oh, I'm I'm Wiccan," and, and then everybody around them is just like, "Oh, it's it's just a phase; it'll pass." I did that when I was seventeen. I was a Wiccan. I bought like three books and considered myself a Wiccan. You know, didn't do any of the practices. That's just why I called myself. Um, But. That would be like me right now calling myself a high magic user. Yeah. It's like, no, I mean, I listen to the books and I'm slowly trying to learn how to do it, but I'm not actively practicing. I just call myself a dabbler. I'm an occultist. I mean, I haven't found anything in particular that I'm just 100% drawn to. Like right now, I'm really drawn to the Damien Eccles and the, um, you know, the Order of the Golden Dawn side of it. But I might get to the end of that and like, yeah, still not for me. I'm still searching for something that just is me. So I still just, I take a little bit here and there and create the religion of Amy and move on. Um, but yeah, I'm, we, I, we talked about it last week. Um, not only am I gotten into Damien Eccles magic side, I've been re-listening to the West Memphis three stuff a lot here lately. And, um, so what's interesting to me is hearing like him talk about it. Then he is this back then. Yeah. You know, he knew a little bit about Wicca. He knew a little bit about Satanism. But he didn't really practice anything but, in particular. But at the same time, you're seeking. You're not yeah. just. You're not just doing this just to be edgy. Yeah. You know? I think so at that point, I think he kind of was. I think that that was just his personality, and because honestly, I was that way too. Like yeah. I did stuff like that just to kind of get shock out of people. It was kind of my defense mechanism or something like that, to where people would want to get away from me. I literally used the "I'm a Wiccan." To get guys to break up with me so I didn't have to break up with them. Like, it was literally a defense mechanism that I used. Oh, You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, well, I mean, yeah, those people exist, but then that's not everybody. I would say that oh, if you're no. going to be that kind of a person, you're probably going to be younger. You're going to be like I was and just young and dumb and searching, but not, yeah, using it as a weapon. 
it worked really well in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come meet my parents. We're going to church on Sunday. No, I'm a Wiccan. Sorry. <laughs> You're like, whoa. And I did it because I broke up with a guy because he was a Wiccan. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it worked. <laughs> ah, the good old days. <laughs> All right, number 14. I personally believe there's also a misconception that you don't need to pay attention to the traditions, mythology, and methods of the past. I think you should do that in everyday life. Doesn't matter a religious belief. You know, mythology, methods of the past, traditions... Since, you know, there are cycles and everything repeats itself, it's good to have the knowledge. Yeah. But you also don't want to get stuck there. Yeah. I think it's very important that you're not just doing this just because that's the way it's always been done. Yeah. I think you have to understand the past to move forward. Like, yeah. You yeah. have to know that, learn that well, this is not right, so I'm not going to do this. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but I mean, you don't need to pay attention to tradition. Yeah, let's see. I could say it's the misconception that you don't need to pay for it. So yeah, pay attention to it. you. You need to pay attention to it because you're gonna learn lessons from it. Mm-hmm. What's better than to learn a lesson from somebody else than have to go through it yourself? Yeah, you know. Plus, when you read the mythologies, it brings you closer to understanding the deities and the concepts you're working with. I've found. Yeah, well, you discover new deities. And you discover more about them and you find connections to them. I think when you have a, a, you feel that personal connection to the the stories, then that gives you a little bit more power when using that deity, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So. I guess to put it in modern day, it'd be like going on a date or hiring somebody without going through their autobiography, i.e. their Facebook or Twitter feed. Yeah, or, or reading their resume, or, yeah, or you know, their resume calling or, their re- the references. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, let's work together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, wait a minute. I have been working with this Loki guy forever, and nothing productive is happening. I can't figure it out. Have <laughs> you read anything about Loki? <laughs> 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 well, no, I just liked the name. Well, that is your problem. <laughs> <laughs> And then as far as the methods of the past, uh, you know, sometimes you got to know the rules to know how to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, most uh, most magical traditions teach you a way of doing it because the people that are teaching it want you to experience it then that way. So later on, when you're crafting your own stuff, you're making your own your own conjurations and things you know the kind of energy you need to fill from them because you went through it the traditional way yeah even though you're making it personal and thus more powerful yeah well i know anytime i've done a ritual or anything I, I, if i'm going to do something like um the lbrp the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram mm-hmm. i follow it step by step the way somebody's showing me how to do it at least a few times before I spin off and start yeah. trying to do my own thing. I mean, that's kind of what you know? I did. Today. I started learning it the way Damien Eccles explains it and tells you step by step. And then I started altering it to fit me to make me feel 
the energy and make feel. you feel it make it feel more like you're something yeah. working for you yeah mm-hmm. any time of ritual or magical working that i've ever done that's how it's been you know um i am a big fan of silver raven wolf and she has in her book of shadows she has like prayers and things like that and i was using them with our kids before bed and i was just reading hers until i eventually got to where i was just making up my own as i went yeah, you know yeah. that type. i mean it well and we did that with ritual for a long time when we first started this mm-hmm. we wrote down verbatim what was in the book and that's what we did and now we sit down before a holiday or whatnot and figure out well what do we want to accomplish with this one and we kind of write our own you know yeah and and you know his path has gone a different way than mine so then we sit and we figure out a good way to interpret the druidism and with the religion of amy and make it work for both of us yeah you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. Uh Uh but originally it was via the book yeah the traditional way yeah on to the next that's a big word that I don't know. I'm going to try this one. <laughs> Anthropocentrism in general. Anthropocentrism is the belief that human beings are the most important entity in the universe or interprets or regards the world in terms of human values and experiences. Another way to say this is it regards humans as separate from and superior to nature and holds that human life has intrinsic value, while other entities, including animals, plants, mineral resources, and so on, are just resources, and may justifiably be exploited for the benefit of humankind. That's just because our ancestors are aliens, and they bred that into us to take over the world. So, <laughs> so I grew up with everybody around me telling me this crap. Yeah, that me too. Humans are above nature. You we're know, we're, we're not one chain. with it. We we aren't even it. And I mean, I see I see that as very false. Um, a lot of this ties in with capitalism, uh, exploiting the resources. Um, I mean, look at the poor rhino. And the benefits of rhino horn on both the medicinal and the spiritual level. Yeah, well, the black rhino is now officially extinct because yeah. we hunted them out of existence. Exactly. Uh, so I'm, and I hate to say it this way, I'm not 100% sure where it came from, but I do remember actually reading something at some point. It might have been actually just listening to a. a it might have been listening to uh, certain situations um, of historical value meaning future history not past history about when uh certain things are going to happen and what's future history future history is where the plane uh plane stations are oh (laughs) (laughs) we love to give you a hard time i know that fucking know and i love it too um so I'm almost positive that it has to do with actual uh, the alien side of things, okay? So people coming over and taking over or showing us a certain route, okay? Right? But the one thing that I saw but didn't really think a lot about was it's either going to be negative or positive for the 
human society because either the world's going to be left alone and the human society is going to go by or we're going to follow certain directions and do better. But in that whole situation, I agree with the whole downside humanoid and let the earth grow because, I don't know, I feel more... I want to say I feel more energetic sitting down underneath a tree than I do sitting in a train or a bus. At the plane station. Yeah, at the plane station. At the train port. (laughs) And and a lot of traditions posit that only humans have souls. Yes. And everything else is just dead matter that's spinning in this infinite void. I get angry and get in arguments with people who believe that way. Uh, Me too. We had a... uh, ex-co-worker kind of believe that if you don't believe that for those who don't believe that nature is really exists and is a real thing or anything like that or the world let it just be destroyed and see what happens to you yeah ooh ooh how about this we 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 put a glass very large glass just area right we put a piece of glass over a large area like a large area cut all the trees off right and then also Burn the grass before he even goes in there. Then throw him in there and see if he could breathe. Send him to the moon. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Yeah. I just I don't understand people who don't understand. We have to live in harmony with the earth and the animals to survive. To like, me, the life force is the soul. So anything living has a soul. You know, anything... The residualness, the, the 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 residue of the soul, even remains in on the earth. You know that's why there's energy in rocks and dirt because those were at one point life. You know, dirt comes from the decomposition of plants, so it's and then rocks come from compressed dirt. Like it's just all one big cycle, and we are part of that cycle. You know, that, that's also what irritates me about most. Um, I guess the terminology would be called deforestation. Yeah. Okay. So you look at uh, the Amazon and how it used to look twenty years ago. Now there was parts of it that that were taken out, but it wasn't at a major selection or a major major amount. Now you could literally take um, not take photos. But you can literally look at uh, construction photos uh, over uh, river areas and bay areas, and it's completely annihilated. Hey, Google Earth is a great place to do that. Yeah. Um, you can really see. No, I didn't say hello, Google. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that's a way. Yeah. Hello, Google. <laughs> how can I assist you? <laughs> but yeah, that's how. I mean, you can really see it when you look on. Yeah. On. on that one map online, so my phone doesn't turn back on. Um, yeah, I think we a lot of people forget that, and I think a lot of it do has to do with religious beliefs. Because yes, I mean, a lot of people don't believe that animals have souls. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I've I've always had a dog, and. Now, cats, I'm not 100% sure if they have souls. I, I will go there and say that. Um, <laughs> just, like, they have nine lives, not nine souls. I, okay. I, I think Zelda has one. 
Rocky is a ginger, so I'm not <laughs> sure he has one, and I think that explains his personality very well. I think you're talking about his ass. He's amazing. <laughs> now, but, uh, there, there's a lot of... Oh, I'm sorry. Were you finished with your point? But I will say that dogs are very emotional animals, and you can see the dog's soul. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we had to put down four dogs in a very short amount of time. I think we put down four dogs. Well, we put down three dogs in two years. And then we had another one that died here in the house. And I will tell you, I feel them around from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I swear I see a little Trixie run across the floor and jump on the couch from time to time. You know, like, I've even communicated with animals. And the interesting t- thing that I run into is animal spirits and children's spirits are very similar. Um, but they all have spirits. They all have souls. We're all connected in that sense, you know. And I can feel the energy off of a tree. I can feel the energy on the ground as I walk. Like I can hold a stone and I can feel the vibrations. Like... I guess that goes back to that I'm delusional one from above. Um, but, I mean, if you really stop and you think about it and you just feel, you t- just let go of all the what you're supposed to know and what's supposed to be reality, and you just use your senses, Sure, you yeah. can feel the vibrations of the earth and your connection to the earth. You just you stop thinking. You look. You listen, and you feel. Yep. Do it for two minutes a day. Take off your shoes and go stand in a plot of grass. It doesn't take long to make that connection. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you, like, you guys know about the stupid symptoms I've had, but, like, uh, I had weird symptoms where my right arm my my left, uh, my le- right arm and my right leg would go numb because all the surgeries are on the left-hand side, pressure's causing all kinds of stupid, fun stuff to do. But the one thing I always did or attempted to do, no matter how, when it was at the worst part, it wasn't staying in bed and just trying to breathe it away. It was going outside in the sunlight and walking around in a damn circle. And I mean walking around in a circle. It wasn't like, I'm going to go on a walk and go walk around the block. Mm -hmm. It was standing in the grass, breathing slowly, trying to get everything back, together and as soon as it did get back together i'm not saying i felt 100 percent, but the specific feelings that i was technically running away from or trying to find some sort of relief it wasn't a it wasn't cured by myself it was cured by somehow transferring that negative crap somewhere else yeah grounding so, yourself it's, yeah, i mean that's yeah. what it is it's grounding yourself grounding the terminology of most things you involving know? your spirit anytime you're having like a lot of anxiety and things like that if you can stand up and put your bare feet flat on the ground and just breathe and just feel the connection to the ground and all of that you can ease a panic attack with that and that's just grounding yourself that's what it's literally grounding your energy and grounding yourself Mm-hmm. Um, which again shows that you're part of nature. You're part of the energy flow of life, and it's all around us at all times. So, absolutely. So don't be this big word. Don't be the B word. <laughs> no, this big word. That I mean, I, I agree. Don't be the B. Anthropocentrism. I don't centrism. Oh, humans. Anthropo. 
anthropo anthropocentrism. Yeah, don't be humans. Yeah. Just take a second and breathe and feel the world. Feel it all around you. Number 16. One of the biggest misconceptions I've come across from those outside the occult community is the idea that do what thou wilt is equivalent to do whatever the hell you want, whenever you want, full stop. Nothing could be further from the truth of the matter. According to Abrahadabra by Rodney Orpheus, published in 2005, do what thou wilt means that adherents of Thelema should seek out and follow their true path, i.e. find or determine their true will. Alistair Crowley, the founder of Thelema himself, put strong emphasis on the unique nature of will inherent in each individual. Thus, many adherents of Thelema, none more so than Crowley, recognized correlations between Thelemic and other systems of spiritual thought, and most borrow freely from the methods and practices of other traditions, including alchemy, astrology, Kabbalah, Tantra, tarot di- divination, and yoga. Some example of this is Nuit and, and Hadit of Thelema correspond with Teo and Te of Teoism, Shakti and Shiva of the Hindu Tantras, Shunyata and Bodhisattva of Buddhism, Ain Sof and Kether in the Hermetic Kabbalah. <clears throat> Hedonism, which is the ethical theory that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life, has very little to do with the idea of do what thou wilt. John Dee's message of do that which most pleaseth you, or St. Augustine who counsels his followers to, quote, love and do what you will, unquote, in the seventh homily on the first epistle of John, are more in the same spirit as do what thou wilt than they are in relation to, quote, do whatever you want, whenever you want, unquote. I feel like the do as thou do, yeah, as do what thou wilt is more of, yeah, just a, to follow your own path into your belief system or your religion or something like that. Not literally, you can go just, you know, I can go do what I want because whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a, you get to go follow your own ways of practicing and uh, doing your rituals. And I mean, it's yeah. kind of like how, you know, in the Bible, you know, church is not a building, but wherever you prayer and you mm-hmm. feel your connection. I mean, that's kind of what it is, is. You don't have to go to do this. You can do what thou wilt. Meaning, like, you can go do what you want to do to further your path and your progress. Mm-hmm. Not literally. You can go kill somebody if that's what you want to do. That's yeah. not what it means. So the terminology... Can you repeat the last line one more time? Just one do more time. Do what thou wilt? No, not that. Do whatever you want, whenever you want? Yeah. That line does not work with all of religions. Put it that way. Okay? The word reverence is one of the biggest damn words you're ever going to find in any of those situations. Okay? Where it fits with, like, the idea... Like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it. Because, honestly, I like that terminology a lot better than the other terminology I've heard multiple times. Okay? It, it, it's more of a do what makes you feel better... Then do what makes you feel 
trappant almost, okay? Mm-hmm. Where it's not right. just your spirit, it's your energy, okay? Uh, I'm not going to break law, might as well. In certain situations where I was much younger, like we talked last time, I was raised Mormon. I did baptisms for the dead, okay? In certain spots that were surrounded by things that were read in the Bible multiple times about being bad, okay? Mm-hmm. But then again, it's a different religion, technically. It's still the Christian-based, if you will, but it's a different religion, a different aspect, a lot of different stuff. But reverence was always the first word ever talked to us whenever we were either in um, Bible study or we were in church. Reverence is always fed into us, but it was not my favorite damn word ever. Because it was not so much expressing your emotions or expressing your feelings towards what you were learning, whether it was negative or positive, whereas any other situation where you're trying to dive deeper into whatever you're interested in learning or whatever you're interested in honestly figuring out, is it for me? That is exactly the line you should honestly not so much say to yourself, but wholesomely understand. Okay, mm-hmm. it's almost like a situation where you're trying to express your own feelings, and the only thing that you can do is hand signs. Whereas you, now you can use your vocal cords, and you could be like, "I don't know what I'm doing here, but everything around me, there's so many things wrong with this certain thing, or there's so many things right with this thing, and there's so many things right." Like we talked about um, going outside and putting your feet on the ground and just relaxing and basing yourself in in in, in kind of almost physically healing yourself with your own energy. Mm-hmm. That is exactly the same situation. So well, that, that, is, that is a hell of a statement. I love that. Well, like, there was a podcast that I was listening to that interviewed a Satanist. And when I was sitting there listening to the Satanist, I was like, well, hell, I'm kind of right along the lines with you. And one of the things he said is, yeah, do what thou wilt, but in moderation. Yeah. If you want to go get stoned, go get stoned. But, you know, don't do it. You know, if you have to drive somewhere, you know, like yeah. do it in moderation. And like with Satanism, they're more of a pleasure seeking religious order. Uh, not religious, but a ple- they're more of a pleasure seeking community. Yeah. And so if it makes you feel good, it can't be bad. But at the same time, I think we talked about it last week, or maybe I, was, I, was, maybe I talked to somebody, too much of a good thing become, can become a bad. Absolutely. So do whatever you want. Do what makes you feel good, but do it in moderation. Like in a Wicca and a lot of other um, belief systems, it's do what you will, but don't hurt anybody. And that includes yourself. I mean, it... There is nothing, to my eyes, there is nothing wrong with doing things the way you want to do it. And especially if you're not causing harm to anybody else. Um, Because, I mean, if it's only affecting you, then it's only affecting you. And what does anybody else care? You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. And like I said, I love the hell out of that statement. (coughs) I really do. Number 17. The stigma that any non-Christian has no morals or worships the devil. Also that worshiping the devil is bad, or they are naked all the time, or there are orgies. Just off the top of my head. (laughs) Um, Giggity. If this is true, can someone 
pointing out where the origins yeah. are. <laughs> where are those neon signs? Because <laughs> I haven't found any yet. No. Let Where have go. I been offered? Not go. that I would take them, but I would at least like the offer. Let's break this down. <laughs> Non-Christians have no morals. I have quite a few morals. I have a lot of morals. I know a lot of Christians that don't have morals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, because a lot of Christians think that they can... I, I don't want to pick... On Christians, we I'm do that sorry. a lot, and we talked about this last episode. I guess about this, how we this need to one quit is doing this that, one but. is ag- like actually directed towards non-Christians, so I can do it in this one. Um, <laughs> they can just go. They can apologize. just go and you know say fifteen Hail Marys, or you know say I'm sorry, and God's gonna go okay, all forgotten. Whereas, I mean, I don't intentionally try to swindle people out of money. I don't intentionally pretend to heal people so that they'll pay me money i don't even do medium readings and spirit cleansings for money you know like the i 100 percent understand what you're saying but the biggest thing that i will never understand okay is they will sit there and tell you not to do this not to do that not to do this not to do that and they'll turn around and do the same damn thing themselves mm-hmm. Hypocrite? Hip- hypocritical, yeah. Yes. Dude, I love the way you're like, I was like, damn, rubbing it out. But still, <laughs> that got pretty close. You're I hope he's not over there rubbing it out. I mean. No, I said rapping it out. Good Lord. I heard rubbing it out, too. <laughs> hey, there's a stage two uh, hurricane water. Uh, if, you, if, if you start here knocking it, just don't. Don't come and knocking. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm almost finished. <laughs> but no, seriously, that's the biggest problem that I have with it is the the, the fact that and it's the it, it it's literally the system and the certain situations I was in when I was younger, uh, and it's there's multiple factors of it, um, and multiple situations and and a lot more that I can go over that I'm not going to, but the problem is is that. That is the the biggest problem I have with it is that a lot of it's hypocritical. And the fact of the matter is is that um, for churches or for organizations in general, we're not just going to call out. Well, I guess we will here right now because that's pretty much the question is non-believers and believers. But I went to, I was a part of a church that literally kept the amount of, um, oh, what is it called, dues. What are they called? You give money to offerings. Offerings. Thank you, Lord. Golly, I'm sorry. I heard dues, and I was like, I, don't know. I was going to say tribute, <laughs> but <laughs> I know thing. that wasn't it. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Church but wouldn't take me. The biggest funny part about it is, is that they would, if you did, could not afford it on a Sunday, they wrote those down because technically they would, they your name was on a paper, okay, or 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 a or an envelope, okay. Your money was inside the envelope. Um, I still remember the conversation that I had with uh, my mom at one time whenever I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old. And it was a conversation I actually technically heard between my mom and my dad at the time. And it was a weird situation where they're like, oh, we still owe them $2,500 this year. I don't understand that. Oh, yeah. I know there's a lot of religions that are like that. Where, like, um, Scientology is one of those. Where the more money you pay, the higher up you get to go in heaven, or the higher up you are in the church. And not Brad Pitt, what's his name? Tom Cruise. Thank you, Tom Cruise. But like, there are people without morals that are on the Christian side, and there are people without morals on the non-Christian side. It doesn't matter what your faith is. 
it's it's that's a personality flaw or not even flaw this is just a personality i mean that it has absolutely nothing to do with faith it's all about who you are as a person this whole thing is just backwards though because the whole naked all the time and all stuff like that it's like i know more christians who are more willing to walk around naked than non-christians like (laughs) i'm not not even i mean with with okay with the worshiping the devil being bad well yeah we'll just break this down here Worshiping the devil. Well, can I talk about the morals first? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Breaking it down. Sure. So I thought a great place to dig into this would be the morals of ancient Rome, where Christianity was born. Morality is directly linked to social customs and the behavior of individuals within society. The Mos Maiorum was the unwritten code from which the ancient Romans derived their social norms. It meant ancestral customs or the way of the ancestors. Traditional Roman values were essential to the Mos Maiorum. I will present these um, in Latin <laughs> and provide English synonyms and definitions. Fidus means trustworthiness, confidence, reliability, and credibility. Pietus, respect towards gods, homeland, parents, and family. Religio and cultist, to bind. This was the bond between gods and mortals carried out by traditional religious practice. Disciplina, education training, discipline, and self-control. Grivitus and constania, dignified self-control, steadiness, perseverance. Virtues. This had to do with what constituted the ideal Roman. As an example for this one, Gaius Lucilius says in his work, it is virtuous for a man to know what is good, evil, useless, shameful, or dishonorable. Dignitas and Octoritas. Dignitas was reputation for worth, honor, and esteem. By this path, a Roman could earn octoritas, could earn octoritas, which is prestige and respect. Mm, margaritas. As I say, it sounds like a nice alcoholic drink. Now, kind of like with Lux Occult, we reserve the right to butcher the Latin language. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dead language anyway. Who cares? <clears throat> well, I'm just going to go back to, uh, you know, you're tying this back to ancient Rome where Christianity was born. Yet, ancient Rome, as well as ancient Greece, and a lot of those places, I mean, let's see. They were naked all the time. That was very common. Orgies, Orgies were very common. Were very common. Oh. Sex with <laughs> either... Uh, homosexuality. Yeah, homosexuality. Bisexuality. And heter- bisexuality was very common. Um, just off the top of my head. Okay, well, well let, me, let, me tr- let me try this one then. <laughs> I've been digging into Satanism for an upcoming episode, (laughs) and there seems to be one overall theme from organizations like the Satanic Temple, First Satanic Church, or the Church of Satan. They do not believe in a literal Satan or devil. Thus, they would not worship such a thing. They do not believe in Narnia? However, these are some of the tenets put forth by the Satanic Temple. 
And after I read them, I guess you can decide if they're, they have morals or they don't have morals. Lock the door. One. <laughs> One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Amen. Two. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Amen. Amen. Three. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Amen. Amen. Four. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Chad has a question. Amen. Amen. No, no, no. I'm feeling the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't want to crack the mic. (laughs) Five. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Number six. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that may have been caused. Amen. Seven. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. Amen. I um, think I just made a discovery. <laughs> Your coworker was right. We are, we are Satanists. Satanists. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> you know what? You know what people are afraid of, right? <laughs> the They're word. afraid of that long ass numbered word. Uh, yeah, like, 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 They're scared board. of the word Satan. Okay, rule board, if you will. Okay. And they're like, amen, amen, amen. They get past seven. If you believe and wholeheartedly love this idea and these words and everything, you're to walk outside and blow your brains out. And you're like, hey, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, like, yeah. It has a lot of terms. And you know, I felt this way after I heard that interview with that Satanist as well. And I kind of had forgotten a lot of it. And I know a lot of my upbringing and stuff, I tend to... Just I, I naturally put, resort yeah. back to some of that knowledge, so do I. even though I know better. Um, again, that's a flaw in me, and that's something that I will work on until I can overcome that. But yeah, that just reminded me of how much I felt like a Satanist when I was listening to that guy. I'm talk. just now going to start telling people uh, that I follow the tenets of Satanists. Yeah, I'm not a Satanist. I just follow the t- the tenets <laughs> of the Satanic Temple, <laughs> and they're like, "What?" And they show it to them. They're like, "Oh, I kind of do too." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you also, you think back to Rome, and one of the things I think about is the gladiators. And there was nothing moral about a lot of that. Well, they were for, almost all the gladiators were forced into it as slaves. Yeah, they were forced, forced into it to as do slaves. it. Um, some did it for prestige. Some yeah. did it for prestige, but still people cheered over death. But it, it's also a misconception that gladiators fought to the well, death. Yeah. No. I guess. It, it was. I mean, it's it not like MMA today. Yeah. But 
there were yeah. a lot more deaths than there well, were Well, it would be like it would be like MMA if with weapons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, accidents happen, but a lot of it was gladiators were actually was put like shows. It would be put more on. like the WWE in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, people people did <laughs> die. Yeah, with yeah. Exactly. I can name some off. Yeah. <laughs> but I I mean with gladiators it was a lot of more of them putting on plays mo- for the most part. Like I mean, yes, they did actually have slaves that they would put to death in yeah. the ring. Well they but, would do public executions. I mean yeah. well, that's exactly how Jesus died was during a public execution. You know, and he was. Oh, the I only thought one. you were about to say in the gladiator <laughs> no, ring. That, that would have been epic. Introducing first <laughs> the one and only, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he also wasn't the only one that day. Yeah. Jesus H. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, I, I don't know. Your favorite fallen son. But it was oh. the norm then. <laughs> Oh, to be the announcer! <laughs> oh God, you're gonna have to delete your delete this. All right, you ready? Your favorite fault son just hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> they present him out there on a cross. <laughs> What's up, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, just hanging around. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's also the difference in morals then and now, too. I mean, it was the norm, and it was okay, and... He'll fight tooth and You nail. can't really judge them on that, because that was the norm. But by today's yeah. standards, it would be horrific if they did public executions. Yeah. Society changes... A little bit. <laughs> okay. But we, so I guess we still call for the death of people. We they, do. They were going to make um, Timothy McVeigh... Asshole. asshole his execution uh public yeah and on tv but then at the last minute they changed their mind yeah well it's one of those things that i guess we still call for the death of people when they do what we view as horrible or horrific um or disagree with us politically but mm-hmm. if we guess, <laughs> yes but if we go up here um there was one of these here um I think it was like the second one. The struggle for justice. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail above all or above prevail over laws and institutions. That's the problem we have, and that's why I personally am anti death penalty. But that I mean, it's it, we aren't there. Our judicial system is horrible today. Mm-hmm. So I, I now I, I there's two things. Uh, well. I don't want to make statements just on that statement alone. Um, there have been multiple times where people who were innocent mm-hmm. were executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it was back in the 150 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago. There's been multiple situations where people have been executed without actual mm-hmm. evidence leading to the, I mean, that point. Damien Eccles was on death was on row, death row. And yeah. there was for 20 no years physical freaking and he evidence. was not guilty. Uh hundred percent no. And then, but there are but, yeah. situations that. But that's just a flaw in our society. We, for some reason, we get so bloodthirsty when we feel like we've been wronged. Yeah. And they have to give someone. Yeah. Think someone's guilty. And in my eyes, it's like, well, we all make mistakes. We all do things that harm others, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But 
at the same time, you got to make sure you're getting the right person. Yeah. You know? I don't know. that We're getting political, and we don't want to do political. So let's move on to the next question. Okay. I don't want to get political. No one wants to be nominated. But once again, we're safe. (laughs) Hell me. Number 18. That every spirit is the ghost of a dead human. Like, no, Chad. That tree threw a branch at you all on its own because you were being a dick to it. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, he was being a root to it. Okay. God. Just because I was showing my dick to the tree. (laughs) Not mean I was a dick. I don't even think they knew that there was a chat on this podcast. I think they just threw a name <laughs> out there. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, like, that's I, a, that is a big misconception. But is also, that all spirits are human. It's also a misconception that Chad is a dick and <laughs> no, is were, a fratty. And yeah, you were just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my name. <laughs> Watch out. Them incels going to come get you. <laughs> now, um,. No, not all spirits are human. You've got non-human spirits. You've got fae. You've got astral hobos. You, I mean, animals, plants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, oh, yeah, when all. you eat food and you fight, you, you're just having your. It's the ghost the, of your the food. Spirit of the food you just ate. Yeah, we discussed. We discovered. We discussed that a few weeks ago. <laughs> and and think about it like this: even abstract things, mm-hmm. like as a song ever the spirit of a song ever moved you yeah mm-hmm. the spirit of a speech well, spirit of a what a, a speech. speech yeah oh the uh what's her name from the inauguration amanda's something or other i cannot remember her name she read a poem and i have never been so moved by a poem in my life that i started crying listening to her read mm. that poem and it was like yeah, she had so much. Uh, she put so much of her own spirit into it. Yeah, that you could physically feel her spirit in her words. I mean, any art. If you're ever moved by any kind of art, whether it be music, poems, written word, podcasts, whatever it is, if you feel moved by it, you're feeling the spirit mm-hmm. of the the artist. Those listening to our podcast sometimes feel the spirit of us mm, all yeah. up inside you. Get down on one knee in that wook, y'all. Don't worry. We'll ask for permission before we do that, okay? <laughs> um, I mean, that's what that is. That's this. That's an aspect of their spirit that is put into it. You know? Um, I guess And if some people do believe that there's devils and demons, and that's what mm-hmm. some of the spirits are. But no, not all spirits are the same. They're all yeah. different. Absolutely. And then astral hobos. They take on roles in multiples. Number 19. Or if a tr- or that if a tree throws a branch at you for being a dick to it, then the tree is evil or possessed by a devil or whatever. I mean, it could be. But that's not the only possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I think a tree has a right to defend itself from someone showing it its dick. Yeah, I mean... Technically, you're just peeing on it. It's not really like... Well, see, then it, it has all the right to hit you. Hold on. Look at my willy, Mr. Woody. Like, that's not what's happening. And the tree just goes, yeah, I'll show you my wood. Smack. 
I for some reason I'm now picturing the Wizard of Oz and the trees that are throwing the apples. <laughs> I'm literally just picturing Lords of the Ring <laughs> <laughs> and just the big old walking trees and just like sweeping down and just knocking you into next week. <laughs> <laughs> you piss on me? Fuck off! No, and there are nature spirits, and <clears throat> yeah, Pan would not be happy. No, and there's deities. Those are some spirits too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or those tulpas and those egregores, the ones that we actually invent and put out into the world. Oh, sure. Those, you know, those are just astral s- spirits in a sense, you know. So, yeah. Don't be a dick to a tree and you'll be good, though. Yeah. Chad. <laughs> you just start going by Michael. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling this to Amy the other day. I was like, I hate that my name's become a slur. <laughs> Got to change my name. Just think how all the Karens in the world feel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have. Uh, see, I'm the least Chad Chad I've ever met, and most of my friends say the same thing. I've maybe met one Karen who wasn't a Karen. I think I've only ever met one Karen. <laughs> so <laughs> she was really nice. I'll see. But oh, well, there you I go. went to school with one Karen that definitely wasn't a Karen. Yeah. But I'm definitely not a Chad. I, well, what was funny is her name was like Karen Marie or something like that. And I was younger and I honestly thought that it was Karen Marie. <laughs> and that was her name. Not Karen Marie, but Karen. Like, I care for you. Oh, <laughs> Karen hi. Marie. I'm Karen Marie. <laughs> Sounds like a <gasps> late not talk show. Yeah, and, I am here to talk to you about mesothelioma. And I think that's... <laughs> My name is Carrie Marie, and I have diabetes. <laughs> but I think oh, that's why Karen. I think that's why I remember her so well is because in my brain she was caring. So she was Karen Marie. Oh, <laughs> you know, like I just always remember her that way. But that's the only Karen I can think of that I know. And there's probably a Karen listening to this that I know personally. Like, what about me? And I'll be like, Oh, I forgot all about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Quit being a Karen. <laughs> Well, listeners named Karen, it's been a good ride. <laughs> hey, don't worry. Uh, Eli, your boy, uh, I'm caring about you. <laughs> like I said, I've never met a bad Karen, but I've only met one. Even the way you say Karen, literally, you it's literally, Karen. It's I'm, Karen. I'm just over here. I'm just over here, okay? <laughs> I'm caring about you. <laughs> so our next one, Dave, what you got? The biggest misconception I encounter is that witches worship the devil and that witchcraft is evil. A hundred percent wrong on both counts. I mean, I'm sure there are some out there, but doesn't put everyone in the same category. That, that's just one of the things where Hollywood's never been nice to the occult in general. That is a good point. You know, Hollywood always portrays the witches. Well, I mean, evil and devil worshiping, and same with Sat- uh, Satanists. Like it's yeah. always evil, and and it's like <clears throat> I think the craft is in the movie. The craft is like there's no devil in the craft, you know, and that's exactly right. There, there's no dogma to like Wicca, so there mm-hmm. isn't a god. Like no. there, there isn't a defined god and a defined devil. There's no. I mean. You just gotta see like what they did to uh, Sabrina. Sabrina, mm-hmm. like how they spin spun that for the new oh, one, and it's just yeah. so like 
misread, like misinterpreted. It misinterprets Satanists. It misinterprets <clears throat> witches. It misinterprets. It, it's just. It's, yeah. It's, I, yeah. I tried to get into it. I couldn't. I couldn't get past the second season. Like, I. It just. The way they portrayed everything just. It made me upset. Like, yeah. It got canceled. So, I mean, yeah. there, there were a lot of people that I probably felt that way. Um, but no, I mean, again, we go back to what is evil. Yeah. You know, it's. There's, yeah, no, that's just a complete judgment that is just based off of lack of knowledge. And, and I mean, you could even take that back to the Malleus Maleficarum. Yeah. The Hammer of the Witch is the literal book they use to do the witch trials. And that was full of that bull crap. Well, a lot of it was they only you could only have these magical powers if you were granted them by the devil himself. Mm-hmm. And oh, wait a second, didn't Jesus have magical powers? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> someone didn't pay attention to their history. I mean, even my fa- <laughs> even my favorite witch movie, Hocus Pocus, makes them devil worshippers. Yeah, you know, yeah. and There's but actually- they do it in a comedic way. There's actually a scene where there's a gentleman dressed up like Satan. And I'm just thinking to myself, and it says Disney? Yeah. (laughs) I actually just listened to the pop history on uh, Beaches, and they were talking about Bette Midler, and they were actually trying to branch away from Disney. And after after Pocus Pocus, they just cut ties with Disney because Mm. they couldn't really do what they wanted to do, and they had, you know, all that stuff. But yeah. um, Yeah. Focus Focus is a great movie, but you got to look at it as entertainment and not factual. Like, it's not historical fact. You know, <laughs> it's a movie. I don't know. I saw it on TV. It's fact. <laughs> I mean, even the Passion of Christ, the Christ, took some like liberties. liberties. <laughs> <laughs> that Jew hating Mel Gibson wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, do you remember what happened to that actor? <laughs> He got struck by fucking lightning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 21. A misconception is that all witches follow the Wiccan rule of three. Only Wiccan witches follow the rule of three. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know why that would even be a problem for people to grasp, <laughs> but I, well, I do because people are just... Oh, so many people tie Wiccans and yeah, witches together. They, I mean, I do it from time to time, too. But, I mean, yeah, not all witches practice Wicca, mm-hmm. you know? And not all Wiccans call themselves witches. I mean, it's just, yeah, people be stupid. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> that's that's now, kind of my uh, philosophy in life. People be stupid. <laughs> what, what I find interesting is that a lot of these misconceptions aren't just from people outside the occult but from people actually inside of it doing these practices. Oh, yeah. Number 22. It would be interesting to dissect the reasons behind our cartoony stigmas, since all of them do have meaning. Like the reason people think witches ride brooms, a.k.a. sticking witches' brew up their vag. (laughs) And I thought this sounds like a fun episode to really explore (laughs) into in the future. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. I think this could launch its own episode. Yeah. Cartoony stigmas. Yeah. Like I don't even the, know where the, to go. Like, I don't either. Like the pointed hats and yeah. the, all all the other stuff. And the green skin. I mean, yeah. a broom is part of like Wiccan witchcraft. 
it's not used to fly on. That would be fucking awesome, though. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's used to clean your ritual space. Yeah. I mean, it's sure. symbolic. I have a broom over my door to keep evil spirits away. Like, it's, it's a part of it, but it's not necessarily because we fly on brooms. Although I will never forget one Christmas, Dave's like, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, a broom. <laughs> Without skipping a beat, he goes, your car broke? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of things I ask for Christmas. Vacuums, brooms, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, without skipping a beat. And then I just kind of looked at him. <laughs> and I know it was it was one Christmas morning. You were like, oh, I'm like just so exhausted. And I was like, oh, were you up all night being visited by three spirits? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dave. <laughs> This is the kind of abuse I deal with. <laughs> hey, just thinking of cartoony stigmas. It's like I'm picturing all these different cartoons. The and devil with his little pitchfork and his little <laughs> pointy, pointy tail. tail. He's yeah. so cute. <laughs> all right, number 23. It's just the placebo effect. Like, that ain't fucking magical enough for people. Exactly. <laughs> so what if it's the placebo effect? Is it working? Who fucking cares? <laughs> like, If it works, it works. Honestly, if I, had, if I convinced myself that a placebo was working to the point that it worked, I'd rather have the placebo than the actual chemicals in my body. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... Well, what it is is your body's producing the chemicals needed exactly. to do it, so... Mm-hmm. It's the be- it's the belief that leads to the effect. Yeah, the result. Yeah, the placebo effect is magic. Psychologists are trying to figure it out. They really don't understand it exactly. They just know that it's something in our brain that triggers that we put enough belief in it that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually read an article to we read it out loud to Dave. We were, we were talking about the placebo effect, and it was from society psychology today. And it was all about them trying to understand the placebo effect and why it works and how it works. And basically they came to the fact that it works and it's something about chemicals in your brain that release, but they don't know exactly how, why, or because it doesn't work for everybody. I I read a really interesting study of um, how the placebo effect even affects dogs. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there's some, I mean... Because you can't explain to a dog, hey, I'm giving you this medicine that's going to make you feel better. But it still, it somehow works. Yeah. It, I think a lot of it is the what we're putting onto them. Especially since dog are pa- dogs are packed animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They feel and sense our emotions. So if we're having, if we, if we, it's actually probably more the placebo effect on us than the dogs picking up on it through us. Yeah. Dogs are psychic. I mean, how many times do you come home and you're having a bad day and the dog just comes and sits on your lap and puts his head on your lap and is just calm and lets you pet it and loves on you? Yeah. I mean... I mean, that's why I've posited that dogs can read our energy. You know, they they say, like, they can smell our fear and stuff, but I I think they can just read our energy. Yeah. Yeah. I think dogs understand us better than people understand us. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I've always had dogs. They definitely have empathy. Yeah. Number 24, that I worship Satan, which 
I don't see as an issue, for wearing a pentagram and having tarot cards. I get this one a lot. <laughs> we talked about that last time, mm-hmm. about the Girl Scout that came to my door while I was wearing my <laughs> pentagram shirt. The looks I get wearing so, my last podcast shirts. So, so I did a pretty deep dig into the pentagram. And I will say last episode, I kept confusing the pentacle with the pentagram. And I actually edited a lot of it out because I made myself sound like an idiot. But uh, (laughs) So the pentagram as a symbol goes far back to ancient Greece and Babylonia. The Christians used this symbol for centuries to signify the five wounds of Jesus or the five senses. In the English poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, this is the symbol on Gawain's shield. The unnamed author credits the symbolic origin to King Solomon, and according to Gerald Morgan, each of the five interconnected points represents a virtue tied to a group of five. Gawain is perfect in his five senses and five fingers, faithful to the five wounds of Christ, takes courage from the five joys that Mary had of Jesus, and exemplifies the five virtues of knighthood, friendship, generosity, chastity, courtesy, and piety. All of these virtues reside, as the poet says, in the quote-unquote endless knot of the pentagram, which forever interlinks and is never broken. In line 625 of the poem, it is described as, quote, a sign by Solomon, unquote, Solomon was said to have the mark of the pentagram on his ring, which he received from the archangel Michael. The pentagram seal on his ring was said to give Solomon power over the demons. Gawain's pinnacle also symbolizes the quote, phenomenon of physically endless objects signifying a temporary endless quality, unquote. In medieval number theory, the number five is considered a quote-unquote circular number, since it, quote, reproduces itself in its last digit when raised to its powers, unquote. Also consider that every pentagram has a smaller pentagon in the center that allows a pentagram to be embedded in it, and in this process may be repeated forever with ever-decreasing pentagrams. Thus, by reproducing the number five, which in medieval number symbolism signified incorruptibility, Gawain's pentagram represents his internal incorruptibility. The unknown poet makes Gawain the model of perfection and knighthood through this number symbolism. The idea of an upside-down pentagram being evil can actually be attributed to Eliphas Levi because he viewed spirit presiding over the four elements of matter. And that was essentially good. In Transcendental Magic, it is written, A reverse pentagram with two points projecting upwards is a symbolism of evil and attracts sinister forces because it overturns the proper order of things and demonstrates the triumph of matter over spirit. It is the goat of lust attacking the heavens with its horns, a sign execrated by initiates, unquote. Many practitioners adhere to this moral dimension. It's quite popular in many traditions. But really, it only fits if you take the assumption that spirit, that spirit is always and only above us. 
In the magic I practice, I use both the upright pentagram called the oak pentagram when summoning the new refer of spirit above or the solar current. When I summon the new refer of spirit below or the tellerant current, I use the heather or upside down pentagram. But I view spirit as both above me, below me. And when those two are in balance, they give birth to spirit within me or spirit within whatever I summon and mix the new if recurrence into. All three of them are not any less or more holy than the other. Instead, they are in a balance. Another way I use these pentagrams in my practice is when I summon or banish from the stations of the will of life. I summon with the oak pentagram the three stations that are currently in the solar realm and the one that is approaching into it. Then I use the heather pentagram to summon or banish the three stations that are in the telluric realm and the one that just set into it. This will of life spins as the seasons change, so the stations are ever shifting through the solar or telluric realm with the Earth's yearly cycle. The Amiens Cathedral, built in the 13th century, interprets the upside-down pentagram in its north rose as symbolizing the Holy Spirit descending on people. It's kind of like the upside-down horseshoe, usually, yeah. that showers luck on everybody who enters. According to HermeticAcademy.com, quote, For thousands of years, the five-pointed star has been regarded as one of the most powerful and meaningful symbols in all cultures, and is also attributed magical importance. While it was once the symbol for both the planet and the god Venus, it later became Pythagorean's distinctive mark. Plato, for his part, called it the greatest and most powerful symbol of all. From the, geo, from the geometric and arithmetic knowledge, it is possible to derive universal laws that are reflected in spiritual principles. Unquote. It continues on later, quote, this star polygon is often used as a protective amulet, and it is supposed to protect against demons and evil influences. Thus, it is also the tool for the counterspell of the so-called black magic. Because if the pentagram is turned upside down, the meaning is reversed and addresses the dark side and its powers. Unquote. The tools of the Hermetic Academy teach the use of the pentagram to achieve conscious spiritual dominion over the elemental nature. Let's explore Venus, which the Romans called Lucifer, the bright and morning star, because it was the last star visible before dawn. So when Dante comes along, he gives the ruler of hell in his book Dante's Inferno the name Lucifer. The bright and morning star, symbolized by the pentagram, becomes the lord of darkness, the fallen morning star. It is this piece of biblical fan fiction which gets carried into the following centuries that the symbol of the pentagram has anything to do with the Islamic and Christian character Satan, also known as the devil. Very interesting. And I will say, I think I said it last episode, for a long time, the pentagram in my head was evil. <laughs> and even when practicing the occult, it took me a long time to accept that it wasn't. And it wasn't, and it was one of those things that I knew it wasn't, but just that deep down that been ingrained in my brain for so long, it was. 
And I wouldn't use a pinnacle for ritual for a long time. Now I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it makes it makes things easier in my head to visualize it. You know, I you know the north, south, east, west, fire, earth, wind, water, or fire, earth, air, water, and spirit. You know. Yeah. Uh, it just makes it easier to visualize it that way. <clears throat> and I eventually got over the stigma that I had developed for it. And I think I even said it last episode. I don't know if I cut it or not. In the end, it's a star. It has no power unless you give it power. Just like a cross is just a T unless you give it power. I mean, that, that's all it is. So, so one thing I, I thought about whenever you said that last week is it's also about the ty- type of um, power you give it. So if you immediately admit fear, mm-hmm. it turns into a scary yeah. thing. If you immediately emit positive energy, it turns into something brighter for you. You know, yeah. it's the same situation in every other aspect of your life uh, where certain objects do scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Well, and like when I do a cleansing, when I cleanse my house, I use my sage and I draw a pentagram or a pinnacle. A pentagram. I draw a pinnacle over the entryway. You know? Mm-hmm. And if I do a cleansing for somebody that I know is a, of Christian faith, <coughs> I'll do a cross. Because it's not... They both hold power, but they only hold the power that you put into them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I believe that the pinnacle... Or if I believe that the pentagram is protection, then it will be protection. If I believe that the cross is protection, it will be protection. For me, I mean, they're interchangeable for me. I mean, pagans use the cross as well. So, I mean, it's it's just how whatever makes you feel better. Um, but I do, I do really enjoy the reaction of other people when they see a pentagram sometimes that they're uninformed, mm-hmm. such as the Girl Scout's mother. I was, like, I was wearing the purple uh, last podcast button up. You gay man's got all their faces on it. And I was, I think I was in Target or something. They're like, someone's like, oh, that shirt's really cool. And they started looking closely. They're like, oh, those are your faces? And I was like, oh, yeah, they're podcasters from the show. And they're, oh, okay, cool. And they're looking at it. And on the uh, pocket and then on the bottom, it's got a black little stitching that has a pentagram on it. And they're like, that's really cool. Oh. You're one of those. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, someone who listened to the podcast. Yep, and left. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I guess part of me does like, still like the drawing of the reaction yeah, for a lot of this stuff. True. It's kind of fun. I vote in a church. I will wear my last podcast stuff into a church to vote. Like, <laughs> I love to shop. I love to shop for altar altar stuff at Hobby Lobby. It is my favorite thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> and Dave does it with me. <laughs> we do it. We find stuff all the time. There is so much pagan crap at Hobby Lobby. It makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like sometimes I'm like, they don't even know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> How dare you desecrate. So the second part of that was having tarot cards. I've never viewed tarot cards as evil. 
And I think it's because a lot of the shows, like movies and stuff I watched growing up, like Teen Witch. I, be- no, I believe she uses tarot cards in that to read her future. Mm-hmm. And I've never viewed tarot cards as evil personally. I've had people tell me they were evil, especially since I have. I'm, not, I'm getting a nice collection. Um, <laughs> in fact, I saw some uh, a Nightmare, a Nightmare for Christmas, Christmas ones. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of need those. <laughs> um but I definitely I've had people tell me they were evil, but I've never personally felt that way. Uh, I don't view it as anything more than a tool. So once again, it's just a card until yeah. you put the. Ma- it was the a card power game. It was it. literally a card invented to be a card game. It wasn't invented to do divination. Yeah. I mean, you can do exactly the same thing with a plain deck of playing cards that you can do with a deck of tarot cards. Oh yeah, you can you can do the same thing with anything that gives a random yeah. output. So, yeah, there's nothing evil. It's just a tool. I'll start reading tarot using Magic the Gathering cards. You could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily could. Absolutely. <laughs> you could do it with Pokemon cards. Based on the artwork alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pikachu, Especially I choose you. The artwork on Magic the Gathering is amazing. Oh, yeah, it is. And then you also have all the elements on yeah. Magic yeah. cards that you could even tie into that with uh, Hermeticism and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it... Hey, Chitty, you want to play Magic? Yeah. Uh, what, you playing that deck? Oh, no, this is my tarot deck. Sorry. <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> this is my diviner's deck. Yeah. You know, the, the card, and I hate to bring this stupid shit. It's not stupid. The card called Graceful Charity in Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> just, just mix it together a little bit. <laughs> oh, wow, Graceful Charity. It means you're a very graceful person. Something just tells me that you're wholesome in more than one way. You're like, oh, a land card. There's a bounty coming my way. (laughs) The pot of greed card. What's really (laughs) interesting in the synchronicities, I have, I have my deck that I use for like most of the time. Then I've got my collection of decks. Well, I had two sets of my deck that I use. One I'd never opened. The one other one I use all the time. Um, And I was just thinking the other day, I was like, what should I do with this deck? I don't really need a whole second deck. And I was trying to think of things to do with it, people to get it to or something like that. And we had a friend come over and she was sitting here talking about her daughter literally wanted some tarot cards. And I just got up and he walked over there, grabbed them and handed them to her. I was like, let her use these. I was like, it doesn't matter what deck she uses. The cards are all the same. Yeah. And I could be wrong on this, but I think the Rider Waite deck was the first deck to introduce pentagrams on the coins. Was it? I don't know. I for think sure. so. I do now have a set of those. I didn't have one for a long time. I now have yeah. a set of them. I don't like to use them. I don't I don't have the connection to that set as I do my other one, but I'm still searching for my old set. And I say my old set, it's the set that I used in a past life. I have dreamt about this deck of cards for years. Yeah. And I feel like one day I'm gonna walk into like an antique store or something and they're gonna be there and I'm gonna find them. You know, like, <laughs> they are out there somewhere. And then the prophecy will be fulfilled. They're blue. They've got blue back. They're blue. If I was green, I would die. Number 25. I feel like a lot of misconceptions about occultism come from the satanic panic. What's strange to me is that those misconceptions have kind of informed the outward face of occultism. People tend to form their occult identity around a proverbial fuck you to their fundamentalist upbringings. 
Maybe I'm just projecting. I literally I feel the just same said way. This. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of that is growing up in the '90s during the Satanic Panic. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're kind of in a resurgence of that right now. Uh, in fact, I had somebody post on Facebook the other day. Yeah, you talked about this last episode. I didn't talk about this on the episode. Oh. I talked about it with you guys. Um, the new little Nas X video. Oh, okay, yeah. And she posted on there, what the hell is this? Oh, it was about the shoes. It wasn't even about the video. It was yeah. about the shoes. She's like, what the hell is this world coming to? We're going to hell in a handbasket. You take, you take Christianity out of the country and the devil moves in. And I'm like, well, honestly, the devil's been here for a long damn time. <laughs> if you look at it the Christian way. But there's always got to be a balance. That's why, I mean, we talked about this with the Joker and Batman can never kill each other, right? Because they need mm-hmm. each other for the balance. God needs the devil to exist in Christianity. I said, if there was no devil, there would be no need yeah. to follow God. The Christian God needs the devil. And, and just the idea that before the 1950s, America was a puritanical uh, country is... Is preposterous. I mean, uh, the very first Druid Grove was founded in the late 1700s in the Hudson Valley in New York. Yeah. Um, and not even to mention that I know y'all have heard of Johnny Appleseed. Mm-hmm. But what you probably don't know is that he was a Swedaborgian prophet. <laughs> they just somehow we just. I guess forget about this stuff. I, I don't I don't know. Well, I got into a long debate with somebody over our founding fathers. Our founding fathers were not Christians. No, they were they were mostly deist and yeah, they, uh, Freemasons. They say. were scientific. They were yeah. I mean it's not that they didn't believe in God, they just put science over God. I mean the reason they fled to the new world was to escape religious persecution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they could live their own life and believe in what they want to believe. I mean, so. Yeah. No, and like and, I said earlier, I've gotten much more in. Well, since I got into the Damien Eccles magic books, I got back, pulled back into the West Memphis case. And I've been listening to another podcast who goes really into depth into that case. And. The, sapa- the satanic panic ruined lives in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It's going that it way now again. ruined lives. And it's one of those things that it's like, the the thing is, is it's not the Satanists that are ruin- ruining these people's lives. It's the Christians that are ruining these people's lives. And that's... I, I would argue it's not the Christians, it's the fundamentalists. The, the fundamental, okay, the fundamental Christians. Yeah. Your evangelicals and your, yeah, and your Southern Baptists, those two main <laughs> ones. Yeah. Um, they are the ones that ruined people's lives, you know? Because a lot of these people that their lives were ruined weren't worshiping Satan. They weren't Satanists. They didn't even believe in the devil. Yeah. You know, like Damien Eccles was a pretty devout Catholic for a long time. He wanted to be a Catholic priest. He changed his name to Damien from St. Damien. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he 
and they just automatically thought he was must be a Satanist because he was reading about Wicca and learning about Wicca. And Saint Damien, he um he looked after lepers. Mm-hmm. He took care of them and actually desired, died from leprosy himself. And I, I think that's where I come to the point that the duality between God and Satan is more damaging than anything. Yeah. And But like I said, God needs Satan to exist. Satan needs God to exist. Without one or the other, neither of them exist. Which is how it is in most pagan religions. There's not either of them, so therefore they don't exist. But at the same fact, without one, someone's going to create another. Not necessarily, because there's a, there's in a lot of pagan religions. A lot of pagan religions. There's not a good or bad. Each, like the deities themselves possess the qualities of a vengeful God versus a all-loving God mm. all in one. Whereas like the punisher and the rewarder are one one god. They don't have to have a nemesis to survive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas you know, what is the devil but god's arch, arch nemesis? It's it's kind of a fun comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Batman? <laughs> there is. <laughs> he just wears a cape. But no, the satanic panic ruined lives, and I see it coming back again, and it's kind of scary um, because of how many lives it ruined. Yeah. And I have to say that if people are so offended by Little Nas's video and his shoes, those are the ones that need to look at themselves because they're the ones that created that video. Mm-hmm. Because that video, all that video is saying is you're telling me I'm going to hell, so I might as well embrace it. Yeah. He's embracing what he's being told yeah. his entire life. Uh, yeah. Good point. So, if this is what you guys think think of me, well, I'm going to show you. Yeah, I this well, is what really I, I read the best thing, and he was said, "Little, you guys are just in shock because little Nas took all that poison you were throwing at him, and he turned it into a tonic, and now he's going to save millions of queer African American lives." Yeah, he's, he gave them someone to look up to, yeah. someone to not be scared of, and. Show him, well, he can do it, so I can do it, too. I can I can be myself. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this and you're offended by little Nas's video, take a little closer look at yourself. And you probably don't need to be listening to our podcast, <laughs> either. Because you're going to be one of those ones that leaves the reviews <laughs> for the free content that we're giving. <laughs> you're one of them Karens. <laughs> Damn chads out there. Not to mention that video is sexy as hell. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy music video, that's for sure. He makes one hell of a sexy lady. Yeah. <laughs> like he's all dressed up in yeah. all the drag and stuff, and I'm just like, he's really hot, just like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's finding out she's part bisexual. Just, <laughs> just for the little nuts. <laughs> I'm, I am not his preferred preferred sexual orientation. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. Number, Got a little heated. <laughs> <laughs> Number 26. The misunderstanding of the distinction between Wicca and witch is another big one. 
It's one I even see amongst newer practitioners, not just outside of the occult community. Yeah, we talked about this one before, and I, I mm-hmm. am totally a culprit of this. I had I'd done this. I still do this from time to time. Sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate between a witch and a Wiccan. But yeah, they're not all, like I said, not all Wiccans are witches. Not all witches are Wiccan. Mm-hmm. But you're doing better. I am. I, I'm trying to consciously think about it. <laughs> I was watching a TV show the other day about mysterious cattle mutilations. (laughs) (laughs) They interviewed the rancher, clearly Christian in faith, and asked what they thought were causing the mutilations. Without skipping a beat, he said it was a cultist. The show then went into a short segment about how occultists practice animal scarification and sometimes even human sacrifices. His assumptions about occultists are the lingering effects of the satanic panic, I think. It annoyed me that this is how we are portrayed. I am sure that there are occultists out there that make life sacrifices, but by and large, no. You know, we went into great depth on the United States federal government's two investigations into cattle mutilations in episode 88 of this podcast. Mm. It is the birth of the cow. <laughs> In the intro, I brought up that it is still, as of 2020, common practice to mutilate our livestock and household pets for agricultural or aesthetic purposes. This happens in the form of tattoos, ear tagging, branding, tail docking, ear cropping, claw removal, devocalization, beak trimming, wing clipping, dehorning, castration, and so on. Yeah. And that's okay because, you know, that's... Agriculture I, yeah. or aesthetic. But oh, the dog just looks better with his ears half chopped off. Yeah. Come on now. And then you're going to get put something off on an occultist? Yeah. That they butchered some cow? Honestly, when I think... Uh, maybe this is because I'm from Oklahoma and the Native American in me. But when I think of animal sacrifice on like that level, or the Native Americans hunting buffalo, and the Native Americans would thank the buffalo... Yeah. Then they would use every piece of that buffalo so that that life was not sacrificed without purpose. And when you think of us today, how many people go and hunt solely for the, the trophy? Yeah. Yeah. They don't even eat the meat. They don't, you know, they don't use it other than putting the head on their wall. That to me is far more it to me that's far more evil than even a voodoo priestess who uses the blood from a chicken for a ritual. Yeah. You know, because I'm going to bet that the chicken's going to be used for feed. Its life is having a purpose, even if it's just that ritual. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it's providing something else. <coughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see anything different with animal sacrifice in the occult versus animal sacrifice outside of the occult. And we do it daily. Mm-hmm. And I have never heard of human sacrifice by an occult group other than like a cult that does like death, a death cult. Oh, like a mass yeah, suicide. Like, or- well, like there was, um, there was a cult in Argentina. I, don't know, I just listened to the last podcast episode on it where they would actually sacrifice humans for feeding their 
deity or whatever. I mean, that does happen. But that was a group of dementedly sick psychopaths. That wasn't the occult. That was just a group of psychopaths that just formed a cult. (laughs) It's like uh, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. In the courtroom, he was drawing stars on his hands to freak people out. But by and large, he wasn't a Satanist. Yeah. If somebody's if somebody's committing human sacrifice, especially if we just read those <coughs> those tenets of yeah. the Satanists, if people are committing human sacrifice in the name of Satan, those people are literally just psychopaths. Okay, now now talking about this human sacrifice, we were talking earlier about bloodlust for justice. I mean, would you consider it human sacrifice us carrying out a death penalty? Yes, and that's why I'm anti-death penalty. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it done in a ritualistic it way? It Definitely is. Yeah. There's certain steps that must be taken. They even bring a priest in, or or another religious you're read practitioner. Your last to, rites, your last meal. They specifically walk you down a specific hallway. Every death row, every person going to the death chamber or whatever walks the specific route. It is very ritualistic. Mm-hmm. Even the way they administer the drugs are mm-hmm. very ritualistic. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is kind of the pot calling the kettle black here for me. Like Yeah. I yeah. Christians do or Christian non occultists do animal sacrifice and modification more or as much as Satan or occultists would. Yeah. And I think a lot of occultists, especially when you're looking at the more nature-sided occultists, like your Wiccans and your Pagans, or your, your Wiccans and your Druids, or whatever, I mean, whatever you are, if you've got a basis in nature, you even are more respectful to animals and to the wild, and to life itself. I mean, I, um, I worked with a Buddhist who he wouldn't kill spiders. He wouldn't kill crickets. He would carry them all outside and let them go. Um, we won't use pesticides on our plants. Mm-hmm. You know, we might use other insects, but that's just nature. You know, um, we use more repellents than we do pesticide. Uh, you know, we'll plant specific plants just to keep certain insects away. Yeah. Things like absolutely. that. Um, so, yeah. No. Uh, plant plant some marigolds next to your tomatoes. Yeah. It'll keep the aphids away from them. Yeah. There's your fun gardening tip for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 28. There was a whole lot of that perception of satanic cults. But another perception I very commonly encounter was occultism is for woo-woo new age types. You know the stereotype. The wide-eyed ant with two big glasses who takes all the drugs and practices crystal healing. Basically, the idea was, much like it had been presented all my life, quote, you have to be heterosexual and cis and Christian. Anything else is just insanity. Or stupidity. I had that same mindset for a long time. And I, it took me a long time to realize that I could actually fully give into my, was it 
hocus pocus that Bob always called it. I could give in to my hocus pocus and not be crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so who has a who has an aunt like that? Like a Madame Blavatsky aunt. <laughs> I'm probably that aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't have any kids. I, I do have you, some man. big eye, some big glasses. So, <laughs> what? I have some big glasses. So. She doesn't That's do drugs. That's not what yeah. I heard in my brain. And I don't do the drugs, but I do do the crystal healing. And um, I'm a woohoo new age type. <laughs> woohoo! No, not really. But uh, what actually popped into my head is oh, from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. The divination teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's what popped in my head when you were reading that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my pot instantly was like hippies. <laughs> yeah, and I never even thought of this. I mean, kind of like how they say you, you usually get the perception of it Satanism, but but yeah, then there is that that other one that it's just your crazy old Aunt Barbara. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, what is it? Your grandmother? You know, she was what half Cherokee. And mm-hmm. she had all of these ways of healing things. and But, you know, you would tell me that you'd have a cough and you'd come over to your grandma's house and she'd give you some kind of concoction that she made up in the kitchen. And sure enough, it would cure the cough. <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's all types of people like that that aren't wide-eyed, crazy, hippie people. But those are the fun ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I love going to like the medieval fair and um, Groove Fest and oh, all yeah. that. Like, there's all these little festivals we have around town. Those are mm-hmm. like the best because I feel like those are my people. <laughs> I can go out all these booths and I can talk to people about the stuff, you know? Absolutely. But I won't um, say that I'm not insane and I won't say that I'm not stupid, but. <laughs> <laughs> 29. Giggity. Misconceptions mainly, including misconceptions by people professing to partake. Quote, I honor the divine feminine, so I burn incense and stuff, but there's no obligations on me to change my life or be a better person. Anything bad that happens in my life is because of bad men or other people's energies. Unquote. Yikes. This may be an unpopular opinion, but spiritual traditions are meant to better the practitioner, but only if the practitioner is putting in the work. Therefore, relying on the quote-unquote divine feminine to hear your prayers and change your life is the exact same as relying on the quote-unquote divine masculine to do the same, which is just an inverse of the common belief and practice of some Abrahamic traditions. Uh, it's kind of what I was thinking along those lines. And um, if you choose to practice whatever it is, your cultism, whatever you believe in, by lighting some incense and praying to some divine force, okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. If that's how you want to do it. That's how you want to do it. Now, there is a difference between low magic and high magic. And just burning incense and sending out good vibes is a practice of low magic. Most, not most, many Wiccans and things like that use low magic. 
it doesn't not work. It works. High magic works differently. And for bigger things. It's the same with prayer. No matter who you're praying to in that deity, if you don't put in work, you're not going to get the bigger payout. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That like you can ask for the divine to help you, but if you're not going to help yourself, they're only going to do so much. It's kind of like in a job. Like a boss or a mentor or manager or whatever can't make you do great at your job. You've got to put in the work. So people, my manager suck, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, you probably weren't putting forth the effort to get the assistance from the manager because that manager is only going to put in as much effort as you're putting in. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's a great comparison to that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Like, my boss suck, blah, 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 blah. Well, how much were you really giving back? Mm-hmm. You know? There, I mean, there are instances where the boss is, or the manager or whatever is just snooty and pain in the ass. But in a lot of cases, it's how much were you putting forth versus, I mean, I know, or, I know as a boss, I'm only going to put forth the amount of energy I need or I, to meet what the energy you're putting out. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and I mean, in that instance, how much are you putting up with? Yeah. I mean, you could go fuck off and do something else. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, number 30. One misconception that still rears its head from time to time is that we don't bathe regularly, that we're unkempt. <laughs> I spent sent next to that smelly kid in church many times. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what's funny about that to me is that's more that people confusing occultists with hippies. Yeah. 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 And I say most occultists, like I say, you practice high magic or not only do you bathe, you, you spiritually bathe. You ritually <laughs> bathe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know for me, that's one of my big things. Like, before ritual, I prefer to take a shower. Absolutely. You know, and I, like, well, it's just part of the ritual, you know? Um, heck, I do part of my ritual. I've, Worked on my lesser banishing ritual in the shower. <laughs> the only place as I'm cleansing myself, I'm cleansing my soul at the same time. The only place I ever have peace and quiet is in the shower. Many times I meditate while in the shower. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just—it's just back to that stigma. Of everybody thinks that spiritualists are stinking hippies. Hippie, stinky hippies. I mean, yeah, you're gonna get those who re- like are all natural. Sure, you know. But in the end, a lot of times when you are all natural, once you've done it for long enough, the actual stinky part kind of goes away. You you kind of find other natural things that yeah. cover that up and absorb the smells and like brushing your teeth with baking soda versus using toothpaste. Now um, I'm I'm almost sure this one came from one of my fellow druids. Yeah. I can be entirely certain, but but probably because a lot of people think that a lot of like druidry is living a a, a hermetic life, yeah, <laughs> not a hermetic life <laughs> <laughs> where we, we live out in like by the river and stuff. Because you got that long in hair, hair and, and those <laughs> long beards, and yeah, yeah, or we got deer antlers on our head and stuff. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm sure there are stinky occultists out there, but there are stinky everybody's out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I personally have been trying to use more natural deodorants solely because, you know, they're starting to find out that the aluminum that they put in the deodorants, it could be causing dementia and Alzheimer's. What? You mean aluminum isn't good for you? <laughs> Only when it comes to aliens and is in a hat form. Hmm. Um, or is that just what the government tells you? Oh. <laughs> is anything that ends in em good for you? <laughs> Helium? Uranium? Potassium. Too much potassium is bad. Calcium. Too much potassium will kill you. Too much calcium will kill you. Mm. It's moderation. Helium in moderation is freaking hilarious. (laughs) 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 But I mean, don't go sitting there like huffing the the helium cans at the balloon store. But at the same time, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> Another misconception, just because I'm into this stuff doesn't mean I disregard science. Science is very much a part of it. <laughs> yeah, we just talked about that earlier yeah. in this question, like on last episode. You accept science into your beliefs. Well, a lot of it is science that science just hasn't defined yet. Yeah. Think of alchemy. What was it on And, the, you yeah. know... Astrology. Astrology, all that stuff. It's stuff that w- is now a recognized science, mm-hmm. but it was magic before. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, even herbalism is... Oh, yeah. Doctors... My doctor told me to take certain herb, herbal supplements instead mm-hmm. of medications. Because I told him about my fear. He wanted me on this one medication, and I talked to him about my fears on it. And he's like, well, you can actually use, you know... This oil, the uh, omega three oil, and this, and mm-hmm. it does basically the same thing. So, I mean, even doctors are starting to realize the benefits of herbalism. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, I mean, you have now more doctors coming out saying, "Yeah, you can smoke weed to help with your headaches and yeah stuff." Instead of me su- subscribe as a medically trained doctor, I shouldn't be telling yeah, you this. That's exactly what mine exactly. says. Like, as a medically trained doctor, I can't tell you that it works. But it wouldn't hurt. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is exactly yeah. what I told him about my anxiety and medical marijuana. Yeah. He's like, as a classically trained physician, I cannot tell you that it works. And he said, but I've also not heard of it hurting any. <laughs> I just like the way he put it. I was just like, all right, I'm going to read between the lines there. You smoke too. <laughs> oh, you know he does. <laughs> he does. He's awesome. <laughs> And I, I wonder how much of that is a projection because ever since kind of the birth of science, it's been science on one side and religious dogma on the other. That's because there's, a, like I said, I talked about before, there's a lot of religions that if science disproves them, it's mm-hmm. very de- detrimental to the religion. You know, heck, even the Catholics came out recently like, you know, Aliens might exist, and they've kind of rewritten how it would work. You know, they're to the point that maybe there's something to this. Like <laughs> they're like, oh shit, we're about to get destroyed <laughs> if this comes out. Let's uh, slowly change the narrative so that way it doesn't seem as bad when it happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just wait till they find out Jesus was an alien. Um, <laughs> makes the story a little more believable. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. He could have been a Palladian. Yeah. I mean, he could be our Lord and Savior, Chad. <laughs> Please, God, yeah. the irony in that. <laughs> oh, that would be so ironic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> All right. 32 is multi-parted. How about shadow work and psychology? Shadow work is basically applied psychology. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. Knowing your dark side, embracing your dark side, working with it instead of trying to work against it all the time. That's what makes people go crazy. Yeah. Trying to Um, shut it out. I'm reminded by Jung's approach to psychology, which is basically the same as occultic shadow work. Yeah, very much so. All right, the next one. Being your own priest or priestess in your own spirituality, as opposed to following a set tradition. That is me. <laughs> I am the priest, the priestess, the high priest, the high priestess, the only and the best practitioner of my religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throughout the years of this podcast, or the year yeah. and a half. Yes. Three years now? Yeah. Who knows? You might have followers. <laughs> <laughs> if you follow the religion of Amy. You might not be know. the only priest or priestess now, Amy. <laughs> now, now, most traditions... No, but I am the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> now, most traditions are like this, especially like the Druidry tradition. It's, you know, here's the tools to get you started, and then you define it for yourself from here. Yeah. How you see the cosmos, how you see the earth, everything. So we talked yeah. about this it's earlier about how you start use the traditions to guide you into learning how to do it, and then you take off and do your own after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. kind of more of a just a guiding principle of like, oh, this is how you do this to store, you know, build the energy to help you with this ritual. or yeah, and, and then you go, okay, well, now I'm going to use this and my own decisions here and make this ritual. Honestly, I would actually love to find a um, Unitarian church to go to. Yeah. Solely to learn more. Sure. Yeah. You know, but I'm not opposed to that. But it still doesn't mean that I'm not going to be the high priestess and the best of my practice. <laughs> yeah. I might be the only pra- religion of Amy practitioner at that Unitarian church. How funny would it be <laughs> if you weren't? <laughs> <laughs> now, I get there and there's a room with my picture on the wall <laughs> with like a glowing halo and I'm like whoa <laughs> now to tie this in with psychology I know um, my psychologist said that I'm just going to give you the tools it's up to you to use them yeah <laughs> and lo and behold well and honestly what she even I mean to add to that she said as we grow up our parents fill our toolbox Mm-hmm. Whether those tools are good or broken, it doesn't matter. They fill it up. And then she t- taught us new tools to use that would continue us on. And that's kind of how I feel occultism is. Each book I read gives me a new tool to put in the toolbox. Yeah. If it replaces another tool, 
so be it. If it works better, then if you find something that works better and faster for you, you can use that. But sometimes you do have to resort back to the older stuff you learn, but you got to remember it all and you got to learn it all to know what to use. The next part of this one is using quote unquote unapproved substances within your spiritual and mental development. We talked about this last episode. Do In you. moderation, you do you. You do you, boo-boo. And if it becomes a problem, seek help. And I will stand by that one. So I will say this. So I want to say here recently, and as in recently, I gotten the books and stuff like that. and You became a meth addict, didn't you? Huh? <laughs> so you became a meth addict, didn't you? So I got the books and all the other stuff um, <laughs> to kind of help you. me get uh, more, um, un- understand more about um, Jewelry. And the one thing I can say is when I, I, I'm certified, we all know that, okay, with the whole marijuana. It's crazy? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. That too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> turtles. Uh, you are a licensed medical marijuana I am. Patient. Because, uh, yeah, it, it really did help with the whole cancer stuff. Um, and just pains. But regardless of that, uh, the, the type that I do partake in, I don't take a lots of. Um, it's more so just to kind of relax myself down, but with reading and actually taking in some of the, the stuff with, uh, the book that I do have and the books that I have on my phone, even listening to it, it does, it doesn't put me to sleep. It doesn't relax me. It more so puts my brain into an attentive mode to where it does allow me to take it in mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah. Now the, the funny fact about that is, is that I could understand it during that process, but as soon as I walk away or go to sleep, it's rereading that pro- same situation or same part of that book over again to retract it. And I learn more things every time I do it. And that's the conversation that uh, Dave and I had the other day is, is the fact of the matter is, is that the deeper you go in and, yes, using marijuana, if you will, um, to, to retract some of that information in, it does, it does it, it's not so much that it means more. But it, it has a deeper meaning, if, it, if that makes sense. I know that in the few times that I have partaked, um, I tend to analyze things a lot. And I get sucked into... How it's made. <laughs> yes, how it's made is my show to watch one stone. Um, Do you know there's wood in the metal forks? <laughs> but I, I, I find myself getting more in depth in things with when I am partaking. Um, more in the moment, you'd yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. See? So, I mean, it could work. I mean, it just depends on what you're doing and what what works I'm for you. almost the opposite for me. Like, when I partake, as Amy would say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so much inside my own head. I can't focus on anything. I can't keep anything straight. And so trying to do stuff, you know, ritual or something like that, I'd be missing, messing up so many things and doing things out of order. And I think we talked about this before. I think meditation might be a good thing for you to do while doing it, because then you're just looking inside your own head. Yeah. And that's what a lot of meditation is. I couldn't do the the lesser banishing ritual at the moment. Yeah. Because I would be missing steps and doing them out of order because my mind just gets scattered. 
And so some people can't use substances. Some people do better with it. So I personally, I can't multitask. This one is from somebody who's down here in the Bible Belt with us. Hi, brother. Hello. All right. There's the obvious of it's of the devil. And it's not real. And the occasional both of those at the same time, which shouldn't make sense. <laughs> but theocrats aren't rational. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I have gotten that mm-hmm. from the same person who, well, that's the devil's work there. And then it's next time it happens, it's all in your head. It's not real. <laughs> which one is it? <laughs> What fits your guess, ideal I at guess, the moment? I guess that just means that they just announced the devil ain't real. Mm. Oh. Subconsciously. Reading between them lines. <laughs> you learn to do that pretty good down here in the Bible yeah. Belt. <laughs> the most common misconception I've come across is that witches are super secretive. I have people ask me about my pinnacle necklace all the time, and that sparks some amazing conversations. I think that dwells from the fact that they don't recruit. It's not like a Christian that's going to go and knock on your door or the more. You have a moment yeah. to speak of our Lord and Savior. You know, they're not going to come and knock on your door and try to get you to come to church with them and all that. I mean, the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, those are like the most common two that come to your house and knock. Sure. But I know at the Baptist church that I went to, we would have witnessing nights. And that was when we would go to door to door in the neighborhood and invite people to come to church with us. So and we didn't have that in my church. We all had the the nights that once a month that you had to invite someone who didn't go to church. And oh, I've been invited so many times to go to church. Yeah. In fact, when they were here working on our house after the flood, there was one. He was very nice, and he invited us to go to his church. And I just said. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm I'm not really looking for a church right I now. I get invited know? just about every week at work. Yeah. And, I mean... Old ladies. Old men. In their eyes, they're doing good because they feel like they're going to save you. They're inviting you to find whatever they have found at the church. There's nothing wrong with going to church. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian if it makes you feel better and makes you become a better human. Um, and I'm always respect, respectful when they ask me. When they mm-hmm. come to the door, I'm never hateful or rude to them. Dave sits down and has conversations with him. Oh, I sure. mean, I will go out on the porch and talk to him too. I mean, it's tell me about it. I would love to learn. It doesn't mean I'm going to follow it or yeah. whatnot, but that's not something you find in a lot of pagan communities. It's not that it's secretive. It's that you have to search them out. It's, yeah. it's they're not going to force their beliefs yeah. on you. They're not, they Be- want you, if you're interested in it, they know you'll come and ask. Yeah. It, it, basically, yeah. if, you are destined to find find them, then that's kind of a sign of that synchronicity that the universe has directed you towards them. I mean, this podcast is probably the only reason, only way we truly talk about our occultism. Yeah, I don't. Outlight, talk to besides, a, without talking to each other or other members. Yeah, I don't talk to anybody else about it. Yeah, I mean, even my mother, like. Now, from inside of the occultic community, it was Eliphas Leave. It was Eliphas Levi that said, "Put forth the to know, to will, to dare, and to be silent." Well, <laughs> and what the word occult is about the secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's honestly a lot of the knowledge in the occult is not meant for everybody. 
No, absolutely not. You know, and it's could fall into the wrong hands. You know, there are people who can abuse the knowledge of the occult, and they do, which is why you have to seek it. It's kind of like the Masons when we did the, the Mason and Luciferian episode. They don't invite you. You have to find them. Well, they have to invite you yeah, to a meeting. meeting, but you have to but find them. You to have to find them to get that invitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be go to so many meetings before you can even be indoctrinated into the masonry yeah. as a tier like tier one. Like you now, gotta work now, your way up. Now I can't remember. Are the Freemasons are they thriving or are they dying out? They're dying out right now. In the U.S., they are. Yeah. But it's one of those. It's a secret society that people are scared of because of they the do stuff secretly. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. scared of because of. All the the stigmas and the mm-hmm. misinformation about them. Once again, and if there's still are there any Freemasons in the Oklahoma area, I would love to be invited to a meeting. Yeah, just because I want to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me. And if you ever want a Cyclops involved in it, all you have to do is hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll try and. St- Stay as English as possible, but the Shriners might recruit recruit you for the circus. I mean, that's cool too. But honestly, <laughs> like, I, like I said, try, I'll try and stay as English as possible. Come see the one eyed Cyclops. We, we learned in our. Um, Let me finish my thought here. Okay. <laughs> he won't remember it otherwise. I will try and stay with the English language. But even if you listen to this podcast and you listen to the episodes, me person. having going like this and then having hey hey yeah it happens. Okay, he Apologies. speaks cursive at times. I was, like, was going to say, but Chad can decipher. According to our freak show episode, they treat the freaks pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. So, I I was invited to be one, but I don't I don't qualify because I don't believe in one creator. Yeah, yeah that's kind of my issue too, but. Yeah. That's the one criteria. But you can believe in any religion, but you just have to believe in the that's one. Be a mono- monotheistic. I would I believe that's in probably why I've will. never been invited. Would it work if you like believe in like a head god? It just has to. It just has to be one create. You have to believe in one creator. So like you can one. have demigods and stuff like that, but you have to have the one true god, and then okay. you can have your branches, but. You have your boss god, and then his, he can have all his minions. Because mm-hmm. okay. for me, I believe that there isn't one creator. It's many creators. It's just like it is now. We all create something. Yeah. If it's not life, it's the spirit of something else. Mm-hmm. Like what we were talking about earlier with the art we leave behind, the words yeah. we leave behind. All right. The last one I got. They assume I need to be educated on Christianity. They are usually quite shocked when they find out that I study, write about, and manage and moderate a group on Judeo-Christian history and mythology. (laughs) (laughs) Most occultists do. They do study the Bible. They study the Quran. I say, also, a lot of occultists grew up in a Mm -hmm. Christian or Judeo-Christian background and then chose their own path from that yeah i mean that's how i was i went to church from when i was a kid to when i was in high school to a little bit in college and then just was like i'm gonna go and forge my own path i wonder how much of this is a projection because a lot of these religions have the forbidden books yeah yeah 
And they think that maybe the occultists have forbidden books, yeah. which really it's all books. <laughs> all books are fine. Bring them all in. We'll read them all. I remember reading a study somewhere. I don't remember where I read this, and this was probably over 15 years ago that I read it. But it was a survey that they did, or it was actually like a quiz type thing. I think it was in like a magazine or something like that, but where they asked, you know, what is your faith? And then they asked biblical questions. And what they ended up with the results was that atheists knew more about the Bible than anybody, followed by um, agnostics and those who claim paganism Mm -hmm. knew more about the Bible than Christians. And I think a lot of that has to do with when you're in church, you're only learning a small portion. When they do their sermons, they may read two or three lines and then he just talks about those and what those meanings are. In Bible study, it was the same way. You read a few chapters or a few you know, lines yeah. from the chapter and then somebody interprets that for you. And what... I notice a lot with occultists is we read it and we interpret it for ourselves. We read the whole thing. Yeah. You, you read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Like when I was, we were reading about, we were looking up and before we did this, yes, or last week, um, I was looking at where Satan was mentioned in the Bible. And every time I'd find Satan mentioned, yeah, that one little line kind of sound dark and but when you read the whole thing, mm-hmm. he's such a little speck. Oh, yeah, it puts it into context. Yeah, it's it's like, okay, well, now when you read the whole thing, it's not as scary. You know, it's it's more like he was just mentioned as like... A passerby. A passerby, yeah. Like, it, nothing ever describes Satan in the Bible. Nothing ever describes Satan's angels in the Bible or his demons. Nothing ever talks about how he deceives you. Nothing ever talks... It's all about he deceived, he fell... He has angels that battle God's angels, but nothing really goes into depth on it. It's so uh, vague. The closest would be if you think it's synonymous with the dragon in Revelation. Yeah. But that's the closest I can think of to any kind of dis- physical description or anything like yeah. that. And that was moral. Uh, to me, they always, it, they always try to tie Satan to the serpents. The yeah. I mean, yeah, the snake yeah. in the garden. Snakes yeah. are so freaking cool, though. <laughs> I love it. Which snakes. is really telling because a lot of the old ancient religions honored and revered the snakes. Mm-hmm. That makes me think and of the like serpents. the Mayans. You know, the Mayans worshipped snake gods and mm-hmm. Greeks mm-hmm. had yeah. Greek snake gods and were not like they weren't snakes, but snakes were, snakes were in their rituals and. For a long time, I was, I, I'm, I'm still convinced the snake is my spirit animal. You know, it, I dream about snakes all the time. And in those dreams, those snakes talk to me. And we Amy's carry on. Slytherin. Yes. Yeah. We carry on conversations. And sometimes in my dreams, I'm scared of the snakes. Sometimes I'm fascinated by them. Like, if there's an animal I dream about, it's snakes all the time. And Hulk Hogan. So, oh. <laughs> is, is he an animal or what? <laughs> I think that's all of our, our misconceptions that we have for tonight. Yeah. Like I said, the more we have, we'll read them in other episodes and stuff like that. 
Oh, yeah, we'll, just, we'll start doing little segments, and you can submit those if you have any to... On our UMPNormalcy at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at UMPNormalcy. And also on our Discord. You can join our Discord. We, uh, Discord? Discord! Our Discord, and we can even chat about it on there. Um, Seriously, uh, join the Discord. Uh, all of us are on there. Uh, and a few other uh, Lux podcast. is on there. Luxa is on there. Yeah, Luxa um, is on there. Everybody, like, if you join it, you can uh, private message one of us, or you can put it in the actual general chat, which will allow all of us to see it and actually create a conversation with you, or answer, or help answer, or help you along with questions that you have. Um, yeah. But with anything, honestly, it's free. Just. Yeah. Just join it. Talk to us. We enjoy having conversations. We enjoy um, hearing what's going on with you or what's going on, uh, any problems you're having or any questions you have, uh, whether it takes research or whether we already, uh, already kind of know the line and or the, uh, the answer, we will help you out. It's also a great place to give us show ideas. Yeah. And we will take that to heart. Or talk about topics that we've talked about on the episode. So like if like I had somebody who was telling me the other day, she loves our podcast. And she always wants to like join in in the conversation. Well, our Discord is the place that you can do that. Oh yeah, yeah. You absolutely. know, is come and join in the conversation. If you've got some stuff that you want to talk about with the things that we've said, if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, it doesn't matter. All opinions are important. Mm-hmm. Um, just got to be respectful. That's. I mean, it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not, as long as you're respectful about it, and I'll be respectful to you. Um. And yeah, our our Facebook group too. Yeah, and our Facebook group too. Same thing. Our Facebook group is we've kind of been slacking there a little bit. That's my fault. I haven't really been making the artwork for the episodes like I should be. But um, yeah, I mean, we love to communicate with you guys. So message us, hit us up. We like it. Um, also, thank you to everybody who submitted these stigmas and. Misconceptions. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Give us much. a lot to talk about and think about. And, yeah. and those of you who are just now yeah. listening to the podcast because you saw the posts about these misconceptions and stuff, welcome to our longtime listeners. We love you. Our new listeners, we love them. Love too. We love you all. Um, thank you for all listen for. Thank you all for listening to us ramble on and on for now almost three hours. Well, we're rambling um, man. and. Don't forget to check out our brother and sister podcasts. We've got Lux, we, Lux that we spoke about. We've got Lux Occult, Smuts, Smuts Up, up and Ad, Ad Hoc, Hoc History. History. And then we've got Administrism, Faith Blood Council, Grognostics. And our lovely Grog guys. And before we go, I got a joke. Bigfoot is sometimes confused as Sasquatch, yet he never complains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) That's really good. Tall, dark, and handsome. And don't forget about your Paranormal t-shirt with Parabox Monthly. Use the link in the description and promo code Paranormalcy at checkout and get an awesome Paranormal-themed t-shirt sent to you every month. And until next time, keep digging. (laughs) 